Welcome to the Finding True Health podcast, episode number 32. I've got a little bit of a cold today, so I apologize in advance for my voice sounding a little differently, but I feel like you're still going to really enjoy this episode. I'm really excited about it. Sleep. We all need it. Most of us want and or need more of it, but many of us just aren't sure exactly how to go about getting either more sleep or higher quality sleep. If that sounds like you, then you're going to love this podcast episode. Uh, Before we get into it, remember to check in with your doctor or other healthcare professional just to make sure that you're getting personalized care for your individual needs and circumstances. This this podcast should never be used as a substitute for that one-on-one care. All right, let's get going. Hey there, friends. My name's Jenna Waite. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, mother of five, and someone who's passionate about helping others find true health in the midst of diet culture and body objectification. Join me as we take our focus off of weight and body size and put it on to becoming the healthiest possible versions of ourselves so that we can have energy to live our best lives. I am so excited you're here. Now let's dive in. Hello, hello. How's it going? I hope everybody has been enjoying their summer. Ours here in Utah is coming to an end. We've just got one, a little over one week left till my kids go back to school. So it's bittersweet. It's been a fun summer, but I'm always ready for the school year to start, let's be honest. And some of my kids are ready as well. They're excited too. Some are not, but. All right. Does this sound familiar to you? You decide that you really need to get more sleep, and so you commit to getting to bed earlier. You set a bedtime for yourself, say 10 o'clock. You get the kids down on time even. You go through your evening routine, and you get ready for bed, and then 10 o'clock hits, but you're in the middle of your favorite TV show, or you're scrolling on social media, or you're trying to get caught up on some work. Okay, just 15 more minutes, you tell yourself. 15 minutes comes and goes, and you just can't seem to turn off the TV or the phone or close your laptop. You tell yourself, this is the only downtime I get without the kids, so I really need to take advantage of it. And before you know it, it's midnight, maybe beyond, your eyes are feeling super heavy, you're worried about how you're going to feel in the morning, and you're just kicking yourself. You're super disappointed that you've once again stayed up too late and are most likely going to feel the effects of it tomorrow. Tell me I'm not the only one guilty of this at times. I have a feeling I'm not. In fact, statistics show that around 35 to 40% of adults in the U.S. are not getting the recommended seven or more hours of sleep each, each night. And 62% of people around the globe have problems with sleep. A little side note, it's estimated that only 3% of teenagers are getting the recommended 8 to 10 hours of sleep. So if you have teenagers like I do, that's certainly something to take into consideration, especially with the new year, the new uh, school year starting. So you might want to set up some sleep goals for your teen as well. But what's the big deal? Why do we hear so much about needing to get enough sleep anyways? Well, some of the benefits of sleep are that we are better at decision making. We have better memory, concentration, focus, and reaction time when we get enough sleep. 
we tend to have more self-control. Our body has better regulation of hormones, particularly the hormones that affect metabolism and hunger and appetite. Getting enough sleep helps foster emotional resilience and optimism and improved mood. It strengthens our immune system so we don't get sick as often. It's very likely that I need more sleep, and that's why I'm sick today. Uh, We tend to have fewer accidents, better skin, uh, less stress in our lives, lower blood pressure. Sleep is also one of the strongest predictors of whether or not we're going to eat well and exercise. Those are some of the benefits. Now let's talk about some of the risks of chronic undersleeping. Not getting enough sleep leads to a lot of the opposite of the things we talked about. Trouble regulating our moods, lower energy, uh, decreased concentration and work performance, and decreased driving ability, increased inflammatory markers and a weakened immune system, increased risk of cancer and diabetes, metabolic syndrome, heart disease, increased hunger hormones, and you're more likely to make irrational decisions. So those are some of the statistics on how sleep affects our health in particular. Obviously, it's, it's very important. Let's talk for a minute about how much sleep is enough. Studies vary on the recommended amount of sleep, really, but most recent studies say that between seven and eight hours is optimal. About 5% of the population can do just fine on six hours, and others might need as much as nine hours. But most of us adults fall between that seven and eight hours. Kids, on the other hand, and like I mentioned, teens need usually between eight and 12 hours for optimal health. We talk a lot about our quantity of sleep, but we also need to pay attention to our quality of sleep. I thought this was really interesting when I learned about it years ago. As part of a full night's sleep, we cycle through four different stages of sleep multiple times throughout the night. So each of these cycles lasts about one and a half to two hours. We go through three stages of non-REM, REM sleep, followed by one stage of REM sleep. And if we keep getting pulled out of each cycle of sleep, especially when we're in the period of deep sleep, which is one of those four cycles... And it's during that time when our body is really repairing itself. We are going to feel really sleep deprived, even if we were technically in bed for eight hours and got the recommended quantity of sleep. If our quality is not great, then we are going to have those, those problems that I mentioned earlier. And remember, a few bad nights here and there, that's not going to have a major effect on your health. But chronic undersleeping, again, night after night, week after week of not getting enough quality or quantity of sleep is going to lead to those problems. So let's take a minute and reflect on some of the barriers you might have to to getting enough sleep. The first one and possibly most common is the one I touched on earlier. Maybe you just don't want to go to bed. Maybe you feel like it's the only downtime you have in the day. I often hear things along the lines of, Late at night is the only time I have to myself to really relax. And I totally get it, especially if you have kids. It really might be your only time to do what you want without being interrupted every three minutes. But if we reframe our thoughts and make getting adequate sleep as important as or even more important than getting downtime, 
then that can help us kind of get out of this mentality. We have options. We can try getting our kids into bed earlier so you still have a little bit of time for yourself. Maybe you don't really need several hours of downtime at night, maybe not even a full hour. Perhaps 30 minutes could be enough. Or maybe we can look for more ways to add downtime and that self-care into our days so we aren't only relying on getting it at night. I like what Rebecca Scritchfield has to say on this topic. She wrote a book, I believe it's called Body Kindness. And she said, there has to be a way to take care of our jobs, our families, and ourselves within the 16 hours of wakefulness. Otherwise, something's got to give, and it will be our brains, bodies, and sanity unless we start taking sleep more seriously. If you insist on missing sleep, at least make sure it's for something you really care about. So my example that popped into my head is maybe you have a new baby and that's worth missing some sleep over. But Rebecca goes on to say, many of my clients tell me that they stay up late because it's the only time they get to themselves all day. But when I ask what they are doing with that time, they admit to binge watching Netflix, sneaking into the ice cream and mindlessly saving Pinterest projects that they'll never complete. So my next question is, is this really what you want to do with your alone time? The typical response is not really, but there's nothing else to do at midnight. (laughs) If this sounds familiar to you, I don't think you have a sleep problem or a self-care problem. You have a priority problem. So I really like that quote. We need to kind of reassess our priorities. If our health really is a priority to us and having enough energy throughout the day and really wanting to take care of ourselves, then sleep needs to be bumped up on the priority list for a lot of us. So another barrier to getting enough sleep could be that you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep once you've fallen asleep. Maybe you do actually get to bed on time, but then you just lay there unable to fall asleep. And the longer you lay there, the more and more stressed you get because you know you need to sleep and you want to sleep, but you just can't. And this makes it even harder to relax and to go to sleep. Or maybe you don't have a hard time falling asleep, but you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night and then you can't get back to sleep. Again, maybe you lie there in the middle of the night thinking about how tired you're going to be the next day and this makes it even harder to fall back asleep. So if you have this problem, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to lay there and stress about how you're going to be so tired and how you just need to get to sleep. That's not going to calm your brain down enough to go to sleep. Acceptance is always better than resistance. So try looking at the time that you're having a hard time falling asleep as maybe a way to think about your goals and your dreams. Um, Maybe you could read a good book or do some non-stimulating activity during that time. And I'm going to go over some habits here in a minute that can also help if you're somebody that has a hard time falling or staying asleep. And then the third barrier to sleep uh, that I thought of is maybe you're just literally not able to go to sleep. Again, you have a baby, you have a job that requires you to work at night, and those can be really tricky situations, and you might have to look at some circumstances that need to be changed or schedules that need to be adjusted to accommodate for that. All right, so let's get into my tips for getting better sleep. These are all suggestions that you can turn into daily or, I guess, nightly habits to help you get more sleep, as well as to help you get better quality of sleep. And there are things you can do during the day that'll ensure you'll sleep better at night. 
There are things you can do right before or at bedtime. And there are things you can do while you sleep that can all help in this area. So I'll start with the ones you can do during the day. First of all, if you increase your exposure to sunlight, preferably in the morning, they've even found before 8.30 a.m. is ideal. This is going to get your circadian rhythms going in the right way, and it's just going to make your body naturally get tired at bedtime if it gets that sunlight there in the morning. If you can't get it first thing in the morning, at least try and get sunlight throughout the day. I recommend at least 20 minutes every single day getting out into the sun. Exercise, again, particularly in the morning or the early afternoon, the later on in the day it gets. uh, Studies have shown that that can interrupt sleep if you're exercising right before bedtime. For some people, not. For some people, they're fine. But exercising earlier in the day has been shown to help people with their uh, sleep cycles. Limit caffeine intake, especially after lunchtime. This can be caffeine from coffee or soda or teas, um, energy drinks, that caffeine, particularly after lunch, really can interfere with falling asleep and staying asleep. Another tip is to reserve your bed for sleeping, intimacy, and then possibly reading or some other non-screen relaxing, calming activity. This just helps your body strengthen the bed equals sleep association. So when you get into bed, it's easier to sleep. Another tip is to go to bed and wake up around the same time every day as much as possible. And yes, this includes weekends. I'm sorry for those of you who really like sleeping in on Saturday or Sunday, but studies are clear that the more we can get into a rhythm routine and just keep that and go to bed, wake up the same time, the easier it's going to be for our body to follow that routine. If we're throwing it off every five days, By sleeping in super late, going to bed late, sleeping in late, then it's really hard for our body to to get that rhythm down. And the last tip I have for during the day is to, if you're a napper, if you like to take naps, keep naps to less than 30 minutes. It's been found that a quick 20 to 30 minute nap, even a 10 minute nap, for a lot of people can help them feel more energized and less tired throughout the day. But if it goes beyond 30 minutes, then it really starts interfering with your sleep. Okay, so real quick, once again, things you can do during the day, increase your exposure to sunlight, especially in the morning, exercise, limit caffeine intake, particularly after lunchtime, reserve your bed for sleeping, intimacy, and possibly a calming non-screen activity. Go to bed and wake up around the same time every day and keep daytime naps to 20 to 30 minutes. Just take a minute and think through that list. Is there anything that you can implement in your day that will benefit your sleep tonight? Maybe even today you can start with one of those things and see if it doesn't help your sleep tonight. All right, the next set of suggestions I have are things that you can do right before or at bedtime. The first one is to establish a bedtime routine. Set yourself a specific time to go to bed. I've heard people say, give yourself a bedtime. Your kids have a bedtime. You need a bedtime too. My bedtime is at 1030. So at 10 o'clock, I try to start wrapping everything up and I finish my bedtime routine so that by 1030, I can be in bed with my eyes closed. So you can think backward from when do I need to wake up or when do I want to wake up? And count backwards seven or eight hours, depending on how much sleep you find that you generally need to feel best, and decide when your bedtime routine is based off of that. 
Another suggestion is to put a drop of lavender essential oil on your pillow or on the temples of your forehead or maybe in a humidifier or a diffuser mixed with some water. Lavender has been found to be really calming and help with sleep. Also, we know that blue light delays your body's release of melatonin and melatonin helps lull you to sleep. So it's best to stop using screens at least one hour before before going to bed. Because I go to bed at 10.30, this means I need to turn off my screens at 9.30. I have to admit, I haven't always been great at this. Actually, as I was preparing this podcast episode, it kind of reminded me of my goal to turn off screens an hour before bedtime. And so I paused writing my outline and researching, and I set an alarm in my phone that goes off at 9.30. I've noticed that following that guideline has also made it so much easier to actually get to bed at 10.30 instead of finding myself again in the scenario that I went over earlier of, oh, just 15 more minutes. Oh, I just can't seem to put this work or entertainment away. And it makes it much easier to follow my 10.30 bedtime. Another tip is to try not to eat or drink within one hour of going to sleep. Now, if you are truly hungry at night, it's totally fine to eat a snack. But you want to make sure that you're keeping portions small, about the size of a fist or smaller, and eat, again, at least one hour before you plan on falling asleep, and eat something that's not going to interfere with your sleep. I don't really have time right now to go over what some of those foods are, but in my Health Through Habits program, I have a whole sheet on foods that not only won't interfere with your sleep, but might actually help you sleep. For if you're hungry at nighttime, I wouldn't recommend eating at night just for the sake of eating at night. If you're not hungry, your digestive system really does need a break and a good span of time that it's not working. But it's so hard to go to bed when you're hungry. And chances are you'll wake up in the middle of the night hungry if you try to if you ignore that hunger earlier on in the evening. So please, please eat a small snack if you're hungry at night, but try to make it a food that's not going to interrupt your sleep. If you happen to be a person that has a hard time turning your mind off at bedtime, I'm also guilty of this, it can be good to get in the habit of journaling at night as a way to kind of get all those thoughts out of your head and onto paper. You can also try telling yourself a mantra. One I've heard is, good night, brain. I'll be more effective to talk about this in the morning. If your brain just keeps wanting to throw these problems or thoughts at you all night long, you can just remind it that right now is not the best time to problem solve. Let's talk about these things in the morning. And the final thing here is for optimal immune repair, it's best to get to bed between 10 or 11 o'clock because that's when a lot of the immune repair happens. So if that works with your schedule, then I would shoot for that. So those are the things to do right before or at bedtime. Once again, establish a bedtime routine Use lavender essential oil to help you fall asleep. Decrease the blue light you get at least an hour before going to bed. Try not to eat or drink within an hour of going to sleep. If you have a hard time turning your brain off, try journaling or try a mantra. And for optimal immune repair, go to bed by 10 or 11. So anything in that list that stood out to you that maybe you can implement tonight at bedtime to help you get better quality or quantity of sleep, I recommend jot it down somewhere, make a little note in your phone, just try and find a way that you'll actually take action tonight. And then just a few things for while you're sleeping. If you must have your phone in your bedroom, then of course make sure it's silenced. 
Turn it upside down just so you don't have that light emitting from it. Uh, Most phones have a sleep mode that you can set, so I would definitely take take advantage of that. Also, keep your bedroom cool at night if possible. Experts say that the ideal temperature to sleep in is 65 degrees. This is a little bit cold for my personal taste, but that's what they've found is a good temperature at night that will help you sleep the best. So play with that. That's going to vary a little from person to person, but generally cooler is better. There are lots of smart thermostats out there now that you can set to reduce the temperature at night and then raise it again during the day if you don't want to keep your house cool all day long. And then another idea is to use a white noise machine or some calming music. Chances are a lot of us have used these things on our children, but we can also use them on ourselves if we have a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep, then those things can help calm us and get us to sleep. So once again, while you sleep, make sure your phone is on silent and turned upside down, keep your bedroom cool, and perhaps use a white noise machine or some calming music. So hopefully that list gave you some good ideas. Just one more thing I want to mention before closing up here. Seek help where needed. If you have a baby, please try and get help as much as possible so that you can get the sleep you need. I know there are stages of life. And just remember that that newborn, that baby stage, that sleep-deprived time is not going to last forever. But if you are in it, then seek help from others as much as possible. My daughter actually babysits really often for a friend of mine so that she can take a nap. She has a baby and her husband goes out of town for his job pretty often. So she utilizes babysitters like my daughter to come over or she'll bring her kids over to my house so that she can get a nap in. I realize that's an expense. It might be hard for some, but maybe you could do a babysitting swap or ask a family member. Just find a way to get that sleep if you're in that stage of life. Also, if you suspect that you might have sleep apnea or another medical problem that's interfering with your sleep, I highly recommend making it a priority to get a sleep test done and utilize the help of of professionals to help treat your sleep issues. Sleep apnea can really interfere with getting good quality of sleep and can be a, a serious issue in a lot of cases. So please seek help where needed. All right, I hope that this episode has helped inspire you to make your sleep a bigger priority in your life. Again, choose just one, two, maybe three of the suggestions we went over and work to improve that quality or quantity or both of sleep that your body needs. Your body will thank you. Your health will thank you. And you can do it. Baby steps, small things make big differences in our health. Take these suggestions, turn them into a habit and watch your energy levels rise. Okay, friends, thanks so much for joining me today. We'll see you next week. If you'd like help implementing what we've talked about today more fully into your life, come check out my self-paced program at helpthroughhabits.com. You'll use the science and tools of habit formation to help transform your health and your mindset. In just a few short weeks, you'll be able to add any number of healthy behavior and thought habits into your life so that you can enjoy finding true health for yourself. I hope to work with you soon.